It's not the religion, okay? People, people always say, you know, should I trust Philip Morris? And it's perfectly okay that people are skeptical, right? I mean, I don't, if I say something, you cannot take it as the, as the currency, and you don't have to take it as a currency. However, and I think that people should stay, you know, relatively open-minded and see whether the story which I told you yesterday is still a valid today, and therefore I should look at or judge you differently tomorrow. That's Jacek Olczak. Chief Executive of Philip Morris International, the largest tobacco company in the world. He says he's pursuing a strategy unlike any other business. He's trying to make the company's main product, cigarettes, obsolete. But lots of people don't trust him, or rather, they don't trust tobacco companies in general. And last year, Philip Morris faced an almighty backlash when it tried to buy Vectora, a British pharmaceuticals company that makes inhaled medicines. I'm Graham Ruddick, and this is Business Studies, a podcast that takes a second look at big business stories from the past. In this episode, we are asking questions that go well beyond business. Should those who have helped to create one of the biggest problems in the world, be trusted to play a role in fixing it. And what does fixing it look like anyway? In 2021, Philip Morris and Jacek Olczak embarked on one of the most controversial takeover bids in British corporate history, a £1.1 billion deal to buy Vectura. That's a company that sells cigarettes, buying a company that makes treatments for respiratory diseases. The deal shocked many. Philip Morris said it was part of its strategy to go beyond nicotine. By 2025, it has said it wants more than 50% of its revenue to come from products that aren't traditional cigarettes. That's products like Icos, which heats tobacco rather than burning it leading to a 95% reduction in the harmful chemicals released by smoking, according to research. However, these products still include nicotine, and they still include tobacco. So Philip Morris also says it wants $1 billion of its revenue to come from non-tobacco and non-nicotine products. And that is where the Vectora deal came in. Well, we essentially want to once and forever solve the problem of smoking by leaving uh, cigarettes the way we know them behind, but recognizing that uh, you have a billion smokers, recognizing that there is a quite a number of stakeholders. You take retailers, you take a tobacco growers. It's a big industry, right? Beyond what we just seen as a companies like Philip Morris. And, you know, we need to orchestrate that uh, move out of cigarettes in the way that, you know, all the stakeholders' objectives are being somehow expectations met. So for smokers, the best thing is that, you know, smokers should quit smoking. Okay, many other, you know, organizations and movements have tried that strategy for some years. Even us ourselves are telling smokers that the best way is not to start smoking. Second best thing is to quit smoking. But this will lead us to perpetuating smoking for another, I don't know, 50 years, etc. WHO 
which never sympathize with the tobacco industry for the good reasons, will estimate that you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, you will have more smokers. Factor in the smoking incidents, you factored in the growing population, etc. And so the, that solutions will not help. And I believe in many countries, the ways of addressing the smokers by warning them quite rightly about the health risks, harm caused by the smoking, so all the health warnings, etc all the restrictions on the marketing, which in some places like UK, uh, essentially the whole toolbox of the restrictions is, is exhausted, right? You have no marketing, you have plain packaging, you have extremely high pricing and taxation pricing and so on. And you still have, uh, you know, well above the uh, 14 plus percent of smoking incidents. So the other solution is, is there a way of making a products which significantly can reduce the harm caused by the smoking? After uh, many years of uh, tries, errors, studies, investments, etc., we concluded that the real issue about the smoking is about the combustion of burning. I should say here that the science so far supports that heating tobacco does lead to a significant reduction in harmful chemicals compared to burning it. But it will take years for this to be proven in health data with a drop in conditions associated with smoking in the general population. And it also depends on these new products being used by existing smokers rather than attracting a whole new generation of smokers. You want eventually Philip Morris's sales of cigarettes to be zero? Yes. Well, this makes sense because if you know that you have a one product which creates the harm and you know that you can create the product which has 95 or more reduced exposure or, you know, is a good uh, proxy of much less harm or risk, etc. Why the heck we should be spending a time on the old product? We should go into the product which is much better for everyone. Is a better for the smokers. Is a better for everyone stakeholder, you know, around. So I think from a business perspective, if you have a more efficient source of energy, why you should be investing in the least efficient source of energy? So somehow here we absolutely reconcile. Critical in this product was will consumers or smokers be ready to consider this versus continuing smoking? The moment when you realize that there is a way that the smokers can be moved into this product, then look with. We have a high, what we call internally, a high degree of cannibalization. I, our own smokers uh, stop using Marlboros. Okay, some of them are successful, they're quitting. Many of them cannot quit, they just move to this product. And I have no problem that Marlboro share is going down. In Japan, when we started first the history of heat not burn products, my ICOS heat not burn proposition is today much bigger than, uh, than Marlboro. So, and I cannibalize that Marlboro. Somebody asked me the questions that, you know, am I really, are we really so committed into transformations that we are willing to, uh, that the phrase he used, uh, we are willing to throw Marlboro under the bus. I said, this is not about our willingness, we already did it. We're just living with the consequences. You know, we, we essentially cut the whole commercial support for the combustible business. All these resources, marketing, etc., all these resources went to behind RRPs. R&D investment facilities, 99.9% is working for the new products. I'm not investing at all into the old products. So everything, you know, somehow is, you know, falls together. And I think it makes completely, complete business sense. As the chief executive, do you think there is any business precedent for this? <laughs> and who are you learning from? Yeah. And, and 
when you draw up the strategy? Yeah, so, you know, when initially, as always, you think that you are first in, in something, and the reality is some other history knows the examples of a companies like others, different products, but massive transformations, which is the Dutch company, which started in the turn of the century, the, the previous century, and they started as the Dutch government investment in a coal mining. And uh, today, the major manufacturer, distributor of a nutrient foods or some nutrients to the food. So you go for the coal mine <laughs> to the nutrient food and somebody will tell you that's the plan. Everyone will say, listen, this is impossible. Okay, that transformation happened. Nokia started with paper through tires, ended up in the mobile phones. There was a lot of transformations which has a degree of a high degree of a similarity to ours. There is one fundamental difference. Each of them has done it over a century, or close to a century, and we want to do it fast. Okay, but we're also living in the world when technology is faster, scalability comes faster. Many of the things which are available today were not available to these folks some years ago. So I think the total transformation of the company, when you leave completely one part of your business and you reincarnate, if you like, in another part of the business, and you're very successful because the other aspects which makes companies successful, culture, for example, right? Uh, you know, Philip Morris is, is known for this very informal, strong, people's belonging culture and people are highly motivated. We invest well in our workforce. They well educated. Okay, now they fully aligned with the purpose, the marketing skills, the it's a number of the things which you cannot you can go to Amazon and buy a, ten business books, right? Every quarter there was a new edition. But there are few things which stays in organizations which makes the organization successful and different than many other organizations around. For many, it will be difficult to believe that this is really Philip Morris's aim, or that their new products reduce the health risks as much as is claimed. This is an industry that has not exactly been renowned for its honesty and transparency in the past. As recently as 1994, bosses of the largest tobacco companies said in Congress that they did not think nicotine was addictive. It is worth listening to that moment again. Let me ask you first, and I'd like to just go down the row, uh, whether each of you believes uh, that nicotine is not addictive. I heard virtually all of you touch on it, and just yes or no. Do you believe nicotine is not addictive? I believe nicotine is not addictive, yes. Mr. Johnston. Uh, Congressman, cigarettes and nicotine clearly do not meet the classic definitions of addiction. There is no right. intoxication. We'll, we'll take that as a no, and again, time is short. If you could just... I think each of you believe nicotine is not addictive. We just would like to have this for the record. I don't believe that nicotine or our products are addictive. I believe nicotine is not addictive. I believe that nicotine is not addictive. I believe that nicotine is not addictive. And I too believe that nicotine is not addictive. So, why should we trust Philip Morris now? It's not the religion, okay? Because people always say, you know, should I trust Philip Morris? And it's perfectly okay that people are skeptical, right? I mean, you don't, if I say something, you cannot take it as the currency and you don't have to take it as a currency. However, then I think that people should stay, you know, relatively open-minded and see whether the story which I told you yesterday is still a valid today and therefore I should look at or judge you differently tomorrow. 
And I think that, look, this is a public company, right? This is not a private company which has its own um, degree of, uh, I don't know, secrecy, confidentiality, etc. On the top of this, this is a this is American issuer, right? With the pretty broad disclosure requirements. And if we say something wrong, wrong in a sense, not factual, not true, I mean, there are consequences. So our communications with the investors for the, you know, quarterly earnings, investors, uh, uh, days. So any other form of a public communication has a degree that we need to, we will be, we will be held responsible for what we say, how we guide the market. So if we say we go smoke free, they will very quickly verify are you really doing this or you're not doing this, you know, you're doing this just for the cheap marketing purposes, etc. So if some people who understand that construct in which we operate, they realize that our words have a weight, right? And that weight is because of a construct, the governance system in which we in which we operate. There always will be people who will never trust you. Okay, it's perfectly okay. There is a Gauss distribution. Okay, there always will be skeptics. I know that the 10 years ago or so, there were essentially very few, if at all, people who will say, what you're saying is true and, you know, we should support you. Everyone will say, very interesting idea, show me that you're doing this whole thing. Okay, fast forward to 2022. You know, I know a lot of people who were very much against the tobacco industry. It's not about the tobacco industry, it's against the smoking. And they realize actually that we're contributing to solving the, 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 the problem of smoking. And they are very willing, they are very willing, and they are actually actively, openly supporting what we're doing. And there are some other people who have not changed their opinion. Now, this is business, right? You, you, by the time you reconcile 100% that they're in agreement with you, you retire, right? <laughs> you don't have that much time. So, <laughs> I think what we're doing is the right thing. We're very open to any sort of a you know, constructive, if you like, criticism. But it has to be based on the facts, right? Because by the fact that people will tell me, I hate Philip Morris, okay? Well, I don't like Philip Morris. Okay, and, and what do we do about this whole thing? It's not about the liking or not liking. Do you agree that I can, that there is a room, important room to play to solve the problem of smoking? Okay, I can adjust my practices. If you think I can do something better, we can exchange the, the facts, we can share the science, etc. And I have a people who haven't looked into our science, and they will tell me, it's not proven that this product are better. I said, okay, so now we're going into, uh, we cannot move these conversations. Okay? People are telling me that, should I trust Philip Morris science because it's Philip Morris science? Okay? True is, and we have been very transparent, yes, we invested our people time, our, our money, our resources into the science. So is any other company coming with any innovations or any invention. You go to the pharma store, you're buying a new drug, Okay, and obviously pharma company pharma companies invested behind the science, but there is a role for the regulators and others who are verifying, whose job is to verify whether that science is robust, is enough evidence, run the right clinical studies have been done, etc. So science is nothing else. Science doesn't have an owner. It's the set of the methods. You can repeat them. You can derive the same result at the end of these uh, experiences, etc. You disclose the method based on which you have verified a, a phenomena, and then others can replicate and come to the same conclusion. And the fact who has paid for the science is completely irrelevant. 
But you know, if people are still telling me that I will not trust your science because you paid for this whole thing, I said, okay, now we're going in the vicious cycle. Okay, we will not solve that issue because you have a mental attitude problem rather than open-mindedness. You know, what's, uh, uh, what is happening? D- during the Vectura deal, you, you said that some of your critics, and particularly some in the ESG world, were, were hollow havens of irrationality and, and that people who'd been involved in causing the problem should be allowed to help yeah. solve it. Uh, okay, but when I, I recall that sort of a narrative and I said, okay, so I don't do smoke-free as alternative to cigarettes and I don't do beyond nicotine as another alternative for the company. So working backwards, I stay with the producing and selling cigarettes. Okay, so there is a flow in this logic, okay? Because if the company wants to transform, I'm not saying that, you know, people should from the, you know, flower petals in front of us, etc., but they should realize that we really want to go out of cigarettes. Okay, if I don't go out of the cigarettes, there are other forces which will keep the company in a cigarette. It's a legal product in all countries, heavily taxed, perfect, okay. However, this is a product which is legal in essentially all countries in the world. And there is a demand for this product. And we know that this product as consumed, as being used as, as design, is causing a harm. That's the fact. Okay, now we're saying, look, change the format of the product, you know, address the, the very significant the harm caused by smoking. And for the company, it's another business opportunity because based on the knowledge I acquired or developed while working on this product, I can use this knowledge for something. So, look, there will be people that will be so blinded in this quest against the tobacco companies that they will miss the big picture. So when I go to Vectura and people are telling me that now, you know, we caused the problem and now we will make money on solving the problem. Look, to me, is a very emotionally attractive argument, which presumably has some, you know, headline news value. But frankly speaking, it doesn't move the conversations by inch into into any directions. It's just, you know, I don't like it. Could you understand why some people felt passionately that Vectura was better off alone rather than being part of Philip Morris? Well, especially that the Vectura was about to be acquired by the private equity. So, sorry, but I, I, this I cannot recall. So, you know, private equity for a Vectura, and we know what is the business model around the private equity. It's great, attractive business model, but what would be the future of that thing? And here I'm coming interested in day technology because we have a couple of our programs which we could in advance without the technology or capabilities. And by the way, I mean, we also made it very public. We're now working on this inhalable, in shortcut inhalable aspirin for which the Vectura capability of a drug, i.e. the substance and the device combinations is essential to move that product through. And we're working with FDA, going through the FDA process to get authorization for that thing. It's in a nutshell, we have learned something that on certain applications, the speed of delivering the actives, make the substance bioactive in your body is essentially on the trajectory of a life-saving or not life-saving. And we know that the chewable aspirin in the, in the circumstances of heart attack, etc., has a positive impact, but you wait the 20 plus minutes for the bioavailability of aspirin. But if I deliver you a similar substance by inhalation, I cut the time from a 20 plus minutes to two minutes. And this 18 minutes time difference is a life-saving thing. It's nothing to do with a cigarette. It's nothing to do with anything what we're doing. We just learn a lot about the human respiratory system. We realize how does it work. Vectura knows how to do the 
substance and the device together and we might have a product. Have you been able to keep all of Vectora scientists? Yes. To, to surprise of everybody. Actually, I thought that the moment when we'll be able to talk to Vectora people directly, because in the process of acquisitions, obviously, the, our access to Vectora employees was essentially not existing. We had a couple of very short video conferences with uh, some of the senior management, some of the senior management of Vectora. The moment when we closed the transactions, myself, my colleagues from the life science, etc., we went to, we took all employees of Vectora and we explained exactly the story and I explained to you. And people were asking the questions, do I need Vectora to advance my nicotine business? I said, I don't need a Vectora for nicotine business because nicotine business I address myself. But that capability I need that I don't have expertise in medical devices. ICOS is a great replacement to cigarettes, but ICOS is not a medical device. Everyone who is in a pharma business understands that the medical devices is a, you know, science on its own, if you like. And you need a capability, regulatory, etc. manufacturing. Vectora has it. The moment when we talk to employees, I've, I think they, I shouldn't say is an enthusiast, right? Because it's big unknown for them. And nobody would think that a pharma company can be owned by the tobacco company. But I think after that period of time today, we have no issue whatsoever. So you've lost, you lost nobody? No, no, no. But losing is another thing. Is The question is, do we maintain? I think we have a better commitment of Vectora people today behind what they're working on that they had before the acquisition. Wait, presumably that's also financially as well. They've got a bigger financial incentive. Sure, but I think in any business, you know, if you don't pay for what you worth, what do you expect from people? That they will work for because they love you? Yes, we pay, we guarantee the first day we said that they will not be worse off than they were in the previous setup. We completely de-risk them of the performance of Philip Morris because their business is not Philip Morris. And uh, yes, we pay the welcome bonus or retention bonus. But look, money, money cannot buy you everything, okay? People, these are scientists which are also putting at the table their reputation and they're being assessed on some occasions very... Uh, in a very unjust, I would say, way that are you working for the tobacco companies, but at least now they know, yes, they're being owned by the tobacco company. By the way, nobody was asking who were the shareholders of Vectura when Vectura was public, to put the facts on the table. Okay, now comes the one shareholder and everyone, <laughs> everyone is jumping on this whole thing. Plus, we managed now to put Vectura together with 13 Pharma, so they realize the capability in the oral delivery space uh, it's also very might be very complementary for some of the product applications i think they start seeing uh, they, they start seeing us differently they didn't know if you're a pharma company right what the heck you know about the tobacco company other than they don't like them because they're selling this product your knowledge about the culture people etc is you, you don't have it you, you don't know these people i think today is you can go to vector and talk to the people you realize that much better than they ever thought was going to happen. One of the problems that critics have with Philip Morris's strategy is that it is still selling cigarettes, and sales are still growing in parts of the world. In the first half of 2022, for instance, sales in the Middle East and Africa grew by 10.4%. Sales in South and Southeast Asia grew by 2.9%. The company says there is no point stopping selling cigarettes because others would simply carry on. But why can't they just sell these businesses? 
and what would cause them to stop selling cigarettes? I mean, you could think about the exiting the business, right? And selling and transferring the business to somebody else. But from a smoking problem perspective, okay, we can do it for ourselves, but not for the problem. From the problem perspective, whether I sell the cigarettes or my trademarks are sold to somebody else, somebody else is going to sell that business. Advantage of us holding that business until the very end is that every day we can decide where do we invest. So I'm not creating a competitor on a combustible to the alternatives because I can, again, using that, uh, referring to this quote from the other person who told me, am I willing to put the Marlboro under, throw the Marlboro under the bus? I said, I'm doing this every day. So decision has been made. If I move that business to somebody else, by definition, that business will be fighting for its survival. I have no clue how they're going to defend that business, including the influence on the regulatory policy making etc so as long as we have it together we can maneuver this this uh, transformation now history has and it's not that far ago we have seen the regulatory interventions that the regulators step in and essentially face or replace one product with the other very historically we had it with asbestos the moment when asbestos was found to be highly carcinogenic but asbestos as a substance, as a material, was doing a job in the construction industry, in the car industry, on the braking pads, etc. Well, you couldn't just stop this whole thing because you need alternative. moment they found the alternative, what most of the countries have done, they've done asbestos. Right? So in many countries, asbestos in a construction, last 20, 30 years, you cannot build a construction, you have any new buildings with asbestos. US, EU, and many other markets have done the similar approach to the energy-saving uh, sources of light, right? Uh, remember, there was this whole thing that we will now have artificial light, and a previous bulb was the best bulb, <laughs> and, you know, people are fighting, etc. When industry has developed the alternative, so you still have your source of light, but at the much less energy consumed, there was a ban on the bulbs. It was happened in the US, happened in the US, happened in the Asian, in the EU, happened in the Asian markets. So I think somehow between this, if we know that cigarettes are so bad, and they are so bad, and alternatives are scalable, so they are for, you know, different, different income levels, different geographies, etc. Frankly speaking, if I would have an opportunity to discuss it with any regulator in a country, I said, let's establish the gliding path. You know, one of the, the interview which I mentioned specifically for the UK, 10 years, I can stop, I think is absolutely doable. Because we have tested us and the competitors, some competitors already, a lot of the solutions. So I said, technology is there, allows you for a scalability, science that you can control what you're producing and, you know, how you're measuring the, 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 the health impact. Frankly speaking, you, nothing stops you of establishing this gliding path. So you can give 10 years, 5 years, 7 years. I mean, we can discuss this whole thing. If you do the solution like this, if that solution is implemented, then you're not really in this strategy, which is not the strategy, it's very weak approach. Will Philip Morris stop selling cigarettes? Okay, then you go to BAT. If BAT will stop, then the JTI will run out of names. Who has to stop selling? You can really orchestrate it from a regulatory perspective. I think this would be the best solution. So every time when I'm in a public and I frown, okay, ten years, give me 10 years and work together, and I tell you we can solve this problem, I mean, I think it would be the, the best path. 
the other incentives, right? You can start penalizing a little bit what has been done historically with the car industry, right? If you don't produce a certain percentage of electric vehicles or lower emissions vehicles, you will have some, you know, I don't know, higher taxation. Or, or, the, the solutions exist. Okay? The end of cigarettes within 10 years? It's an intriguing thought, but there is a long way to go. Philip Morris says that its evidence shows that an overwhelming number of people using its heated tobacco products are those switching from cigarettes and are not a new generation of smokers. It also says it wants to help these smokers eventually transition to non-nicotine and non-tobacco products. But only time will tell how this plays out. And they are only one company in a big sector. Do you think you are building trust at the moment? I think I am. Now, judging, as I said, judging by the number of people who are coming to us, who are willing to talk, who are volunteering, they advise, they, and the people who you would never think that, you know, they were 100% anti-tobacco activists and they realized that strategy which we're pursuing is not only worth considering, it's actually worth pursuing and are worth investing more. Look, in Japan, 30% of the people stop smoking. Never in the history of any intervention around smoking, being anti-smoking campaigns, health warnings, you name it, all the toolbox of the classical things of uh, addressing the problem of smoking, you never in a short period of time had a such a rate of success. Can you imagine you have a nicotine replacement therapy which has a very, very you know, narrow, very small uh, efficacy, you would have an intervention like this, then the problem will be solved. And I have a number of other markets, as I add to this, electronic cigarettes, etc. Never in the history of public interventions or public health intervention in the territory of smoking, you had the success of today. And this is despite that you have all these conversations around the flavors and, you know, people are trying to divert the, the attention. The products are really helping smokers to solve the problem. You've been listening to Business Studies with me, Graham Ruddick. Our producer is Anushka Tate. If you want to read more about this interview or hear about Philip Morris's difficult and controversial withdrawal from Russia, please check out Off to Lunch, our sister publication on Substack. You can sign up at offtolunch.substack.com. <laughs>